0: Pretty awesome, huh? It really is. The fact that the story is so big, so massive. Behold the lamb. We're all familiar with the story about a Mary and a lamb. In the 1830s, there was a girl named Mary Sawyer. And she decided one day to take her lamb to school. And it caused quite a ruckus. There happened to be a seminary student there that day visiting the school his uh, father i think it was was the minister there in the area and he was there just at the school and it so struck him this lamb being at school and all the ruckus that it caused that he wrote a little poem and you know it it goes mary had a little lamb a little lamb a little lamb mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow it's a good story but there's one even better It's also about a girl named Mary, and it's not about a lamb, it's about the lamb, the lamb of God. Listen to it like the first time. Now in the sixth month of the, I'm I'm sorry, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said, How can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, Then Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then, nine months later. Nine months later, according to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. The story of Mary and the Lamb. But here's the really amazing part, and that's what you've been hearing, and we'll hear just a little bit more after all of what we're about to do. It's the grand story of how big it is, bigger than Luke, and bigger than Matthew. You see, it takes the whole Bible to tell the story of Jesus. Someone once said there's like a scarlet thread that's woven throughout the Bible that you can literally find Jesus in every book of the Bible. It starts in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 26 where where we hear God saying, let us, let us make man in our own image. Us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it goes all the way to Revelation chapter 22, where Jesus says, I, Jesus, proclaim to you. From Genesis to Revelation, and every book in between, every chapter in between, there's this scarlet scarlet thread that is woven throughout, and it's the story of the Lamb. The Lamb. Take time with me, and you heard all of this already in musical form in, in the songs that you've been hearing But fast forward me now from Genesis, 700 years. There's multiple places we could stop, and some of them you heard in the musical that you've been listening to. But 700 years B.C., 700 years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 53, we hear the story of the coming Messiah. Not the king with a sword in his hand, not the king that would wear an earthly crown, but a different kind of lamb. Isaiah said this way, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You see, we had this need because of our our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents in the garden who chose to rebel, rebel against God. Each one of us are born with a sin nature. We are born broken spiritually. And Isaiah simply put it that way. We're like sheep. And sheep are not the smartest animals in the world. And they're kind of stubborn. And they will choose, if you allow them, to go their own way. And that's what each one of us have done. Paul would later write in and say, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He would also say that there is none righteous. No, not one. We've all gone our own way. Proverbs in chapter, chapter 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right, but the end is the way of death. All of us, at one time or another, have said, I know what's right. I know what I need. I know what will make me happy. I know what is best for me. And the Word of God says it ends in a way that's called death. So Isaiah comes along. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, God, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We turn away, we go wrong, we're sinners, and God chooses to lay our iniquities on Him? It's the wonderful mystery of Christmas that we're the ones that messed up, and He's the one that paid the price. That the Lamb was willing to be slaughtered, that we could have relationship with holy God. It's probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Much less the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. And God. God made him Jesus. God made him who knew no sin. To be sin. For us. That we could become the righteousness of God. That's another mystery of Christmas. That Jesus was born and as a child and grew to be a man. And he knew no sin. And yet he was willing to die on a Roman cross. That people like you and me could have a relationship with creator God. He did something for us that we could never do for ourselves. Because we could never be good enough. We could never be perfect enough. We simply would always fall short. And then God says that the payment for sin is death. In fact, it later says that in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. And so Jesus comes. The lamb comes for the purpose of being slaughtered for us. He goes on, Isaiah goes on and says this in verse number 7. He was oppressed, and you heard this, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that before it shatters is silent. Shears, so he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter is silent. Mary had the lamb. And the lamb came to die for us that we could have forgiveness of sin. And all that was written 700 years before the first Christmas. But let's just move on. Let's move forward to that first Christmas day when Jesus was born. Let's move on to about A.D. 27, A.D. 30. And the Lamb has grown and become a full-grown man. The God-man. 100% God and yet 100% man. And John is standing there one day. John was his cousin. And John is standing there. And his purpose was to foretell the story. The Lamb is coming. The Lamb is coming. The Lamb is coming. And on that day, in John 1, he looks and hears Jesus coming toward him. And John says, the foreteller says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When Jesus and John met that day, John recognized him. and John had grown up with him. John knew who Jesus was. But when he saw him that day, he proclaimed the great truth that Jesus is the sacrificial Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb couldn't take away the sin by simply being born. And the Lamb couldn't take away the sin by simply living a life. The Lamb had to be sacrificed. I love the strongness of the word. The Lamb had to be slaughtered. Because again, as I said just a moment ago, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Peter said it this way. He said, for you know that God paid a ransom for you to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. God paid a ransom. The Psalms talked about being held captive in our land. There's no callous chains around our ankles, but we're all being held captive by the power of sin. And God paid a ransom for us that we could be free from the empty life that we've inherited from our ancestors. And then he goes on and says this. He said, And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. There was no price of gold or silver that could pay this ransom. You know, Tuesday morning, and almost every, some of you guys do it on Christmas Eve, but some do it on Christmas morning, but whether it's the 24th or the 25th, a lot of presents will be opened. And those presents, some of them are going to be very special for one of two reasons, or maybe both. One is, it's going to be the amount of dollars that was laid down in some store somewhere, and the, price was paid for the gift. We all appreciate the value. When, when, when the wife gets a gold ring from Jared's or a gold bracelet from Jared's, everybody goes, ooh, he went to Jared's. And then you get the credit card bill and go, ooh, wish I hadn't gone to Jared's. <laughs> but often the value of a gift is by the price that was paid for it. But there's something else. Sometimes the price of the the value of the gift, the, the deepness of the gift, is not in monetary funds, but in the thoughtfulness of the gift. I'm not sure, I think it was like 2002 or 2003. I know Faith was probably about three years old. And we had opened all the presents, and there was wrapping paper everywhere, all over the house. And we were sitting, in fact, they had us sit on the couch. And we, Judy, they looked at me and I looked at Judy and said, well, what's this about? And they walked up and they handed us a box about this big and this tall. And so, well, first off, you probably need to know that if it's not electronic, it doesn't impress me. So I'm looking at this, and I'm going, it does not look very electronic to me. So we begin peeling back the paper of the box and open the box. And inside the box is a picture of the four girls that were in my life. Rebecca, Jennifer, Sarah, and Faith. And we went. Tears flowed down our cheeks. And it wasn't because that they had written some check to somewhere to get this picture made. It was the thought that our children loved us enough to schedule an appointment behind our backs, in secret, go to a portrait studio, get dressed, get that picture made, have it delivered. And framed for us. It was the thoughtfulness. In my bedroom, that picture still hangs. And when I look at it, I don't think, oh, look what that cost them in dollars. I think what it cost them in time, in energy, and in planning. Now, here's what you need to know. That the gift that God offers to each person, that is eternal life, is valuable on both those levels. I mean, how can you put any kind of a value in price-wise when you hear the words, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Gave his, gave his son to this. Sent his son into harm's way. Knowing that the sole purpose for the lamb coming was to be sacrificed. The lamb did not come to be somebody's pet. The lamb came to be every man's savior who would believe. And God sent his son and Jesus willingly came into this world. That his blood might be shed. And Peter says that. He goes, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors and was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. If the Lamb hadn't come, we would have spent all eternity separated from God in a place called hell. Our lives would not be any purpose, hold any purpose or fulfillment. We would be empty humans, dead men walking, waiting to spend eternity separated from God. But the Lamb did come. And the Lamb came because God cared enough to make it all happen. Before the foundation of the world was laid, the plan was laid down, God knew that we were going to mess up and we were going to mess up big and we were going to need a rescue. And he planned Christmas and he planned Easter. And then he throws open the invitation. White men and women, black men and women, yellow or green, brown or red, big sinners and little sinners. He throws the door open and says, believe and come. And that's probably what caused Paul to say, again writing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that's what caused Paul to say, thank be to God, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, his indescribable gift. Gift. I mean, the best thing that can happen, all this gift giving thing, you know, especially if you're a husband with a wife, is when your wife looks at someone and goes, You are not going to believe what he gave me for Christmas. You know, you did well. All of us who know Jesus should be awestruck enough to say, You're not going to believe what God has given us. For Christmas. Eternal life. Under your tree, um, if you have a tree and you do this, there are presents. And those presents probably have names on them. And you say, to Dwayne from Judy or to Judy from Dwayne. And that's indication of who the gift is for. Well, you know what's going to happen I happen to know there are a couple of presents for me under the tree. At this point, there are not any for Judy, but we're working on that. <laughs> but what's going to happen is we're going to hand those presents out. And I'm going to have to make a choice. There is going to be presents Sunday or Christmas morning for me. For me. But I'm going to have to come down to that choice when that box is held out. And someone says, it's for you, Papa. from us, from Judy to you. I'm going to have to face the choice of taking the gift. Now, if you know me, I love gifts, so it's not a big deal. But, but I'm just trying to say that I have to make a choice to reach out my hand and take the gift. Regardless if it has my name on it, regardless if, if, if I sit there and so it's a beautiful box. Until I reach out and take the gift... It's not mine. And so it is with this unspeakable gift of eternal life that each person makes a conscious decision to reach out and receive the gift that God has given. It's not not something your mother or your father can do for you or your grandparents. Each person has to make an individual decision to receive that gift. Yes, God did love the world so much, but unless, and, and and Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. But that forgiveness is only applied when we choose, when we choose to receive that gift. You might say, well, how do I do that? Well, it's as simple as what? A, B, C. We need to agree with God that we have sinned. Again, I'll quote the scripture again. It's Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person has sinned. That's what makes Christmas so significant. It's a great need. We've all sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. So the A is we agree with God. We admit to God that we have sinned, that we need a rescue. And B, we have to believe. We have to believe what God says about us. And believe what God says about him and himself. And to believe means to put your trust in. I always drag the chair out. And you saw them sitting here. And you bring that chair. And and you sit in that chair. And I can say I believe the chair. I can say I know the chair will hold me up. But until I put my weight in the chair, I have not exercised true faith. But the moment I put my weight in the chair, I have exercised that faith. And that's what God says we have to do with Jesus. He says we believe. He's not talking about here. He's talking about here in our very being. We're putting our eternal weight in believing that Jesus is the Son of God. That he did die for us. That he did resurrect the third day. And that if we ask him to, he will forgive us. Amen. Great truth. Great truth. And then we come to that C. And that's the confess part. Confess means to to say it out loud. Jesus, you are my Savior. I accept you as my Savior. But I always like to put not only the confess part, but the commit part. Because the last thing Jesus is is a fire escape. I mean, Jesus is your ticket to heaven. But it's just not, I don't want to go to hell, so Jesus, I want you as Savior. It is a commitment to follow Him the rest of your life. When he looked at the guys there, when he looked at Peter, and Peter said, you know, he said to Peter, come follow me. It was a commitment to follow him as the Christ. And Peter left everything behind and chose to follow Jesus. And that's why he calls to us. Today, when we receive the gift, it's a commitment to leave that behind, whatever that is, and choose to follow Christ. That's how you receive the gift. That's how you receive the gift. At the end of our service, we have a couple more songs, and we're fixing to observe the Lord's table. But at the end of our service, we're going to end with, I think it's Silent Night, I believe it is. But whatever song it is, we did not want to end this service with an opportunity for you to publicly confess and say, I received this gift. My friend Brent will be standing down front as always, and we're going to play through that song. And it's your chance to have the best Christmas ever. It's your chance to receive the gift of eternal life. This epic, epic story that you've heard through song from Genesis to Revelation. This epic story is your chance to receive the free gift of eternal life. The greatest gift. Paul said the most unspeakable gift that you ever could receive. I remember... That Christmas, 14 or 15 years ago, I can remember a lot of the details. I can remember sitting on the couch. I remember it all because it was so impactful. And what we want to do now is we want to do something that hopefully will be impactful for us. You know, when Jesus was hours away from the cross, he's up in the upper room, and they had observed the Passover, but then he goes one step further he says, "Guys, we're going to do something that's going to mark the new. We're going to mark the new. The old's fixed to be left behind behind, and we're going to mark the new." And so he took a loaf of bread and he began to break off pieces, and he passed it around to them, and they broke off the piece. And then Jesus said, "You know, as you eat this bread, okay, remember it's my broken body and it's broken for you." He was talking about what's about to happen on the cross, that, that even though they deserved to be broken on the cross, he was going to be broken for them. It was, it was the substitutionary death of Jesus. He took their place. He took our place. And he said, as often as you eat this bread, you do it in remembrance of me. I want you to remember that I took your place on the cross. And then he took a cup and filled it full of grape juice and he passed it around and encouraged each one of them, asked each one of them to take a drink of that that wine. And he said, this is is the new covenant in my blood. This is something new. The, the, The legal system and the sacrificial system passes away. This is something new. It's my spilt blood that pays for your sin as often as you drink this wine, let it remind you that I spilt my blood on the cross that you could have forgiveness of sins. So here we are, 2,000 years later. And guess what we're doing? We're taking that, that small piece of bread and remembering the lamb had his body broken for us. We're drinking that wine as it hits our lips we're remembering that the lamb was slaughtered for us. And how appropriate is that? When you understand and hopefully you really begin to grasp the importance of not let Christmas stay in the cradle because the cradle's just the beginning. We must include the cross. And today as we observe the Lord's table, that is what we do. We remember that the lamb was slain for us. His body was broken. His blood was spilt for us. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And this is the time when we have the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever word you're used to using. But it's a time of remembrance, as I just shared with you. And we practice, I've never found a better term. It simply means this, open communion. It simply means this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it does not matter what denomination or what church you go to, but if you have been born again, if you've discovered this great gift, this unspeakable gift to the blood of Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you to participate with us in the Lord's Supper. Now, the way we do it here at Dorisville and the way we're going to do it today, we have tables set here. We have tables set back there. And back there. So we have, and plus the one here. So we have five tables set up. And when I'm finished praying, uh, we have a video that we're going to show. And we're going to um, invite you to get to your feet and go to one of the tables. It doesn't matter which one, just go to a table and get your elements, get some bread and some juice, and then return back to your seat. And then we will observe the Lord's Supper together when everybody gets back down. So whenever you're ready in just a moment after I pray and the video starts, feel free to get to your feet and do that. Now, um, a, couple of, a couple of side notes. Um, if you require gluten-free, then this table is gluten-free. So if you need to come for gluten-free bread, this is the place where you come for that. And also, we realize some people it's difficult for them to stand, and we have a deacon prepared. If you'll just raise your hand and hold up for a moment once we start. Uh, moving and receiving the elements, if you'll just raise your hand, we have a deacon who will come to you and bring your elements to you. Amen. So can we pray together? Father, we most certainly thank you um, for the privilege of being here today. Our hearts have been blessed by what we have heard. And I pray our hearts have been blessed by the word today. That Mary, you had the Lamb of God. And that Lamb came to be slaughtered to be sacrificed, that every man, woman, and child would have the opportunity to come to relationship with Creator God. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for our sins. We ask, Father, as we eat the bread today, we'll remember your broken body. As we we drink the juice, we will remember that your blood was spilt, that we could have remission or forgiveness of sin. So, Father, this is your time, and we ask God that you'll bless it and that you'll be honored. And, Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. So, as you feel led, when you're ready, if you'll go to one of the four tables, five tables, uh, then we'll be ready to greet you.